Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 20th, 2019. It is currently 9.15 a.m. Central Time. To be very honest with you this morning, I have now been trying to record this for 25 minutes. And the reason I keep stopping myself, deleting it, hitting record again, stopping, deleting it, is because, to be honest with you, I don't know how to begin. I don't know how to introduce the subject that I have for you today. And here's the reason I am struggling. On one hand, I feel that I should be able to hit record and say, good morning, everyone. Today is Holy Saturday, a very special and serious day in the history of Christianity. I should be able to say that and just have the understanding that anyone listening to me who professes to be a Christian will understand the significance of my words, understand the significance of this day, and understand the history of it. That's what I, if I was naive, I would, I would just expect that that's what should happen and I would just go along with it. But see, there's something in the back of my mind that tells me the reality is not that. The reality is there are millions of people who profess to be Christians that don't have really a clue about the significance of this Saturday, which is Holy Saturday, they don't know the history of it, they don't know the significance of it, and to be honest with you, they, they, don't, they, they don't even really do anything with this so-called Holy Saturday other than possibly, well, it's Easter weekend, so let's get together with some friends and family and fire up the grill and barbecue or go to the lake or go to the park or, or catch a baseball game or, you know, let's get all the kids together for a quote-unquote Easter egg hunt and, and, you know, they're going to be doing those kinds of activities or, or women may be taking their daughters to go shopping to get that quote-unquote new Easter dress because, you know, you can't go to a quote-unquote Easter service. I'm doing a lot of quote-unquote because there's a lot of these ideas that I obviously reject and I find them to be foolish. Um, but that's what a lot of Christians will be doing today. This is just going to be a, a time for fun, food, friends, and activities and new clothes. And what Holy Saturday was has been basically lost on millions of Christians today. And the reason it has been lost is, well, you can put the blame at one place, and that's the pulpits of American churches. Because instead of standing behind those churches and teaching the people sitting in those pews the history of the faith that those people profess to believe in, they keep the people ignorant of the history of their faith. And instead of giving them the historical Christianity of the past, they give them a modern-day Christianity that is, well, more about entertaining people and giving people what they want than really giving them anything authentic and real and anything of true substance. Yes, I know. Those who know me say, here he goes again. He's attacking the modern church. He's critiquing the modern church. I know I seem to continually to do that, but you know what I would like to say? Maybe I would not continue to do that if the uh, modern day church, at least here in the United States of America, did not make it so easy. 
When you have millions of Christians who have no concept of what Holy Saturday is, what it was, what it should be, that's really disturbing. Now, to be fair, there are lots of people who do know what Holy Saturday is. Now, in many cases, the people who have some idea of the significance of Holy Saturday are going to be, I don't know, Eastern Orthodox, Coptic Christians, you know, uh, Roman Catholics, maybe some Lutherans, okay? Uh, sadly, um, the, the broader range of the evangelical world made up of all kinds of denominations and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of churches and millions and millions of people, many of them, sadly, are, are completely in the dark. So I wanna say, hey, it's Holy Saturday, Let's spend some time thinking about and meditating on the significance of this day. But I really can't do that because there's a lot of people who may hear this who won't even know what I'm talking about. And, and, and I have to be fair here. Yes, I do put the blame right there at the, at the pulpit because pastors have kept their congregations in the dark. But at the same time, I don't know if the people sitting in the pew, I don't know if the people sitting in the pew get a pass here. And here's the reason why. If you're sitting in the pew and you never hear uh, the history of Christianity taught from the pulpit and you continue to sit there and you don't go find churches that teach history and doctrine and theology and teach you things of substance, that's your fault. Your fault because you should know what you're not being taught. You should know, well, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I think maybe I should be interested in the history of Christianity. And the history of Christianity, I know it's a cliche, but it did not start with Billy Graham, Billy Sunday. It did not start with, with you know, it, it didn't start here in the United States of America. Shocking. It did not start here. It did not start with the, the first Baptist church of your town. Okay, shocking. No, it's a long history. 2,000 years of development, of, of teaching, of doctrines, of doctrinal disputes, of theological disputes. And many Christians don't have a clue about it. And yes, I blame pastors for not teaching it, but I blame people for accepting the fact they're not being taught that in. Let's make it very clear. In 2019, almost every church member is carrying in their pocket a phone or in their hand or in their purse. They have a phone and it's usually connected to this very interesting thing. Let me see if I can remember what it's called. The internet? I, I don't think it's going to catch on, but I think there's this thing called the internet, which is kind of interesting because you can use that phone to connect to the internet. And, and while you... You can find all kinds of interesting things on the internet. You can find history. You can find information. I mean, I know you can just, you know, use the internet to chat with your friends and take a picture of what you're having for lunch or, or you know, do whatever other nonsensical things you like to do on there. But you could use it to gain information, I don't know, about the faith which you claim to be a part of. I don't know. It's... Yeah, sometimes claiming ignorance, especially in 2019, where all the information is literally in the palm of your hand, you, you start losing the ability to use that excuse. Well, no one ever taught me. Yeah, okay. I do blame those who are in charge. The pastors are supposed to teach, but it is frustrating. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, 
That's why I'm having a difficult time in how to start this, because I, I want to just be able to say, welcome everyone, it's Holy Saturday, let's begin. But I can't. So what I have to do is say, hey everyone, it's Holy Saturday. Oh, you don't know what Holy Saturday is? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because I am here to provide you with that information. Now, for those who may be Catholic, Greek Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, Coptic Christians, Lutherans, anyone of a very liturgical high church background, Anglicans, a lot, of, I could go a lot of different, I could go through, I could just name all kinds of groups. Um, I apologize to you because many of you are probably at least somewhat knowledgeable of it or at least aware of Holy Saturday. Um, now you too may be somewhat ignorant of um, the history, and here's the reason why, because sometimes in your traditions, um, it's just assumed that you know this stuff um, instead of assuming that maybe you don't, where in the evangelical world, it's not assumed that you don't know it, it's not assumed that you do know it, because I think everyone just seems to be ignorant of it, and so they, they just run around, I don't know, again, it's just, they, they basically, in, in the evangelical world, they seem to be more influenced by the secular calendar in the secular way of celebrating this weekend than they are the historical church calendar in the church traditions and how they celebrated this weekend. It's kind of a bizarre bizarre uh, situation, and, and we could talk all day about, you know, why the culture influences the evangelical world more than the history of their own faith. That, that, that could lead to an entire recording on its own. But let's, let's then do this. Let's call this an introduction to Holy Saturday, all right? I'll set aside my critique, set aside my subtle rebuke. That was pretty subtle, I think. Um, I wasn't over the top. I didn't yell. Um, and we'll just try to inform you, remind me. I mean, even no matter how much you know this stuff, you need to you need to hear it again. So I think even for the Catholics and anyone else who may be listening who are very well versed or, or intimately have knowledge of this, maybe something I will say will still be beneficial and helpful. I, I promise you that if you'll stick around, this will be as beneficial as I possibly can make it. Can make it. With my limited skills of communication, I will use what limited skills I have to try to produce something of value for this Holy Saturday. To anyone who hears this, if you have friends who claim to be Christians, send them a text. Hey, do you know what Holy Saturday is? Oh, you don't. Well, you know what you need to do. You need to get the VBC 66 app. Yes, the VBC 66 app. And you get that app by going to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and doing a search for VBC 66. VBC, which stands for Victory Baptist Church, 66 stands for the number of books in the Bible. VBC 66, download the app. You can listen to the message introduction to Holy Saturday. And guess what they have on the VBC 66 app? This little section called Church History. Yeah, and you can learn all kinds of history about Christianity. And guess what? It's free of charge. Right? You don't, we, don't have to, we don't want your money. We want your time. I want your time. I want your time. I want you using the app 24 hours a day and sharing it with every human being on the planet 12 times, okay? Until every human being on the planet has downloaded the app on 12 devices, I'm not going to be happy. All right, there we go. But no, I mean it. it be, this is a good opportunity to, to talk to people about Holy Saturday, and maybe we can, then maybe this app can be used to try to educate people, even in your church, right? They don't have to like me. 
Just hopefully they like the information. Are you ready? Here we go. Let me pull up my notes. All right. Holy Saturday. It is, it is the Saturday of what is known as Holy Week. All right. Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday. All right. There's a lot of different things that happen during Holy Week. You probably are very familiar with Good Friday, which have been yesterday and the Saturday following Good Friday. Good Friday is the day set aside to remember the crucifixion and the death of Jesus Christ. The day following Good Friday is called Holy Saturday. It's known by some other names. Great Saturday, the Great Sabbath, Black Saturday, Joyous Saturday, Hallelujah Saturday or Easter Eve. I believe it's called Joyous Saturday or the Saturday of Light among Coptic Christians, at least according to one source. I am not intimately aware of, of all the teaching, of, of every idea or, 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 or tradition of the Coptic uh, tradition of Christianity. I probably should do some teaching on Coptic Christianity. I have done some teaching on it uh, because they show up in the news, especially uh, at different times where they were being severely persecuted um, um, in certain parts of the world. But uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be completely dogmatic about that, but at least according to one source, that is what I found. All right. So it's known by a number of names, but primarily, especially here in the United States of America, I have typically heard it referred to as Holy Saturday, usually not the Great Sabbath. I think I have heard it referred to as Black Saturday at least a few times, but Holy Saturday seems to be uh, the, the common name given to it. In fact, if you do a Google search for Holy Saturday, typically you're going to find plenty of information about it and its history. Holy Saturday is the day in the Christian liturgical calendar, stop right there, the liturgical calendar, I like to refer to it as the historical Christian, or the historical Christian liturgical calendar. That's the way I would like to refer to it as. Now let me explain, all right? If you go back to the book of Leviticus and you do any reading in the Old Testament, you'll know that the Jews basically had, a, we'll call it a liturgical calendar. They had certain days set aside for certain feasts to remember this, to remember that, to do this sacrifice, to do that. They had a, the, the, the thing, the, the, the things of God, right? In other words, uh, the, the things of God were not just a something like a hobby. It wasn't just something that was kind of added on to their life. God and the things of God was the center of their life. And so their calendar was controlled by things to remind them of the works of God, to remind them of the words of God, to remind them of, of God's holiness and righteousness and their sinfulness. The, their entire calendar was, their, their entire life was structured by, in a sense, a liturgical calendar, a calendar controlled by the actions and the words of God. Right? So when the early church came along, well, guess what? They followed the same idea, but they replaced some of those Old Testament celebrations because those Old Testament celebrations were to point towards Christ. Now that Christ had come and had been the sacrifice, 
once and for all offered up to satisfy God's holiness and wrath and justice and and his the the uh, wrath of God poured out upon his son as a substitutionary sacrifice for you and for me. Now that, that Christ had come, he fulfilled many of those Old Testament liturgical practices and those uh, those Old Testament feasts. They pointed to Christ. Well, now that Christ had come, the church then developed, in a sense, a new liturgical calendar to look back to what what the works and the words of Christ, and yes, even other things as well, but they basically created a new calendar to reflect the coming of Christ, that Christ had come, he had died, he was buried, and he had resurrected, and he had ascended to the right hand of the Father. They needed a new liturgical calendar to to, to, to celebrate as Christians. We were not Old Testament Jews. We were now living on this side of the cross. We were now Christians, okay? So they, des- they developed a new one. Why? Because just as God was to be the center of the life of Israel, he should now be the center of the life of the church, Christianity was never designed that, that, you know, God is just something you may worry about on a Sunday. No, your entire life was to be centered around the things of God. So they developed a liturgical calendar. Along with that liturgical calendar, they developed the liturgy of the hours. So every, the hours of every day was to be focused on the things of God. The days of the week were to be focused on the things of the God and uh, on the things of God and the days of each month and then in each and in, in the month of each year. So there was an entire liturgical calendar developed to help the Christians do just that. Now, with that liturgical calendar, they developed day the, uh, readings, lectionaries, saying on this day you will have you will read these scriptures. Why? Because those days were set aside as special days within the liturgical calendar, and they wanted you to read certain scriptures to rem- remember certain events and remember the words of God for that day. Those days were set aside to celebrate, to to be a remembrance of. The liturgical calendar was a powerful thing because basically, think of it this way. The liturgical calendar was designed to make sure God was the center of every hour, of every day, of every month, and every year of your life. The liturgical calendar was also designed basically to serve as a, think of it as a yearly seminary course. Because the liturgical calendar was going to take you through all the major events and all the major doctrines that were critical and foundational to Christianity. So if you came to church and if you were paying, t- not even if you weren't able to miss church, if you knew what was going on in the liturgical calendar, you still knew what was going on. And also it was designed to try to serve as a unifying thing. If all Christians were celebrating the same event, reading the same scriptures on the same day, this would provide unity and not discord. It would, it would, it would bring about unity, not division. There was, there was brilliance to the liturgical idea, to the liturgical calendar, to lectionaries. There was a brilliance behind it, all right? Now, we can talk a lot about what happened, but we definitely can point to one major event in history, and that was the Protestant Reformation. Once the Protestant Reformation occurred, many of those who then said, okay, we're now free from the 
power and the bondage of the Catholic system begin to reject anything that even hinted at Catholicism. If it even looked like Catholicism, sounded like Catholicism, smelled like Catholicism, it was rejected. In a sense, it was burned. It was, it was destroyed. So Protestants now run around with no liturgical calendar. They're, again, their calendar is more influenced by what's happening in the world. That's why if you look at most evangelical churches, they celebrate what the world does celebrate, celebrate Mother's Day. In many cases, a Mother's Day or a Father's Day will literally fall on a very significant day on the liturgical calendar. But in the Protestant world, no one in the Protestant world has a clue what's going on in the liturgical calendar because, wait, their calendar... Their secular calendar says this is the day we celebrate mothers or fathers or it's Memorial Day or it's 4th of July. Whatever the case may be, they begin to celebrate those things. So therefore, they become more influenced by the culture than being influenced by the tradition and history of the Christian faith. Because they rejected the liturgical calendar and rejected the lectionary because they wanted to get away from Catholicism. And so once you reject one source of influence, you find another. And even though they wanted to claim the Bible was going to be their source of influence, it ultimately became the culture where those Protestants found themselves to live. Here in the United States of America, you see it every church. You see Memorial Day services. You see Fourth of July. All, they, 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 they have Fourth of July church picnic. Okay, that's not a liturgical celebration. Okay, Memorial Day picnic, that's not a, a liturgical church celebration. They are influenced by the culture in which they find themselves. If you don't think that's a problem, read 1 Corinthians to see what happens when a church is being more influenced by the city than the church is actually influencing the city. The church at Corinth was being influenced by the city of Corinth. The church of Corinth was not influencing the city of Corinth. That became a major problem, all right? So that's just a little bit about that. I, I think that's very critical to understand from a historical perspective. So let me go back and read this again. Holy Saturday is the day in the Christian liturgical calendar. Stop right there. Now you understand the liturgical calendar. Again, I like to refer to it as the historical Christian liturgical calendar. That's what I like to refer to it as. And at times I've tried to take my church through the historical Christian liturgical calendar, remembering certain days and trying to get them, uh, uh, you know, accustomed to that. Now, yes, because we're not Catholic, because we're not uh, many of these uh, part of these high churches, um, we, we, we're not bound by it. But just because we're not bound by it doesn't mean that we don't want to constantly know it and reference it. And so I spent a year taking my church through it so that they would be aware of how it worked. And I believe I believe it would be a, a, an amazing improvement over the condition of evangelical Christianity if everyone returned to it. It would possibly be a, a major, I mean, it would be like yearly seminary course, maybe covering things that churches need to cover, like, you know, Trinity Sunday. Yeah, that would be an important Sunday for Protestant churches to celebrate, right? Where we could actually remember the doctrine of the Trinity and not mess it up when pastors preach on it. So, Holy Saturday is a day in the Christian liturgical calendar, and today is that day. Now, here we go. This is very important. Holy Saturday is the day in the Christian liturgical calendar that celebrates the 40-hour-long vigil that the followers of Jesus Christ held after his death and burial on Good Friday and before his resurrection on 
Now we can get to all the discussion on why it's called Easter. I don't like that term. I prefer to call it Resurrection Sunday. But um, so it was the uh, so I'll go back. I, I, there's so when I start reading these kinds of things, I can stop and, and give an hour long sermon for each one. But it's a uh, Christian liturgical calendar. Uh, it's a day on the Christian liturgical calendar that celebrates the 40 hour long vigil that the followers of Jesus Christ held after his death and burial on Good Friday and before his resurrection on Sunday. Holy Saturday, Holy Saturday is the last day of Lent. So today is the last day of Lent, another season in the liturgical calendar. Now, I know what Protestants will say, well, I don't need that dumb Lent stuff. Give something up for Lent. What kind of nonsense is that? I don't need to do anything like that. Of course, Protestants are going to mock it. Protestants are going to, you know, throw it out because it's, they're going to say it's foolish and it's Catholic. Instead of saying, well, maybe there was a there was some some reason why the early church in, implemented this, and maybe there would be some great spiritual value if if Protestants actually took the time to do something actually serious with that time of season. Could it be? Can it become a meaning meaningless tradition? Yes. Can it become a meaningless ritual? Yes. And it beca- can become just as meaningless as I don't know doing nothing, <laughs> right? So you could criticize it, or you could say, well, let's see what we could do with it. Let, I mean, it's just days on a calendar. Using those days on the calendar for spiritual good can't be bad unless it becomes meaningless external tradition and ritual that doesn't affect our heart. But doing nothing doesn't affect your heart either, right? So today is the last day of Lent and the last day of Holy Week, because tomorrow obviously, is what some call Easter or Resurrection Sunday. And that, that's a, a separate thing. So just keep that in mind. Sometimes that will group that with Holy Week, but tr- traditionally Holy Week would end today in, in a historical liturgical sense. All right, now I've got, I've got a prayer here. I've got some scripture, but I'm not going to go through all of that. Let's go through some history, all right? Because now that I'm sitting here thinking about how long I've already talked, I'm not going to be able to do the original. See, my original plan was to do this in a devotional way and give some scripture, but I can't do that because of the uh, possible ignorance of, of many in the Christian world today. So let's talk about the history of celebrating Holy Saturday. In the second century, all right, now we're early on. Okay, we're early on. And, and, and the reason I like sometimes doing this stuff is because many Protestants, when it comes to certain um, traditions on the liturgical calendar, many Protestants have this idea that, oh, these things were created in the 1500s by that evil Roman Catholic Church and that Luther guy, you know, he he fixed all that nonsense. That stuff's just a bunch of... Uh, just a bunch of stuff, and we don't need that in my Christianity, and I'm glad Luther got, I don't really know anything about that Luther guy, and I don't really know anything about that whole, I don't know where it was, I think it was, I think it was up north somewhere, I mean, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm being over the top and mocking, but the, the amount of ignorance that sometimes uh, Christians have about many of these things, I'll be like, well, you know, that, that's not what the ancient church did. You're like, oh, so when did you think that, that started? What, you know, 1972? You know, where, where did you think it started? Well, sometimes when you go back, you're like, oh, second century, third century. You know, you know, sometimes very early on, these were the ideas and these were the practices. 
So you always have to at least go, well, why were they doing it all the way back then? Maybe there was something significant to it. Maybe they had an idea and maybe we should try to figure out and appreciate what they were trying to accomplish. Again, I think the liturgical calendar was pure genius. And I believe that they, they took it from the Old Testament. They just gave us a new Testament liturgical calendar. And I think that we should, we should always try to see the wisdom and genius of what they were trying to do. I, it, I mean, look at the amount of biblical ignorance in modern day evangelicalism. Clearly the rejection of it has not made us better. I mean, the idea was we don't need all that nonsense. We have the Bible. Well, okay, well, we have the Bible and we're biblically illiterate. So, okay, maybe we need something to go along with the Bible because, you know, yeah, there's a lot we could say there. So let's go, let's get some history here, right? So the history of celebrating Holy Saturday. In the second century, people kept an absolute fast for the entire 40-hour period between nightfall on what would what would become known as Good Friday, okay, recollecting the time of Christ uh, was removed from the cross and buried in the tomb and down on, e on what would become known as Easter Sunday when Christ was resurrected, all right? So please note, in the second century, it was an entire 40 hour, an absolute fast for the entire 40 hour period. All right. It was supposed to be basically this idea of, of remembering, recreating this idea. Okay, Christ has died. All right. All right. So when, when night falls on Good Friday, so basically remembering the time Christ was removed from the cross, buried in the tomb, all the way to the time he was resurrected. A 40-hour fast. 40 hours of fasting, of meditating, of thinking, of, 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 of just trying to have that, that feeling. And just try to think of it from a psychological standpoint. 40 hours of going without food food and thinking about Christ has died. My Savior has died. He has been buried. You would be, you would be, cannot wait to hear on that Sunday morning, he has risen. And it would be like a sense of, of being set free, a sense of freedom, a sense of celebration, a sense of needing some food. Okay. There would be a sense of, of you have been set free from your bondage. Because of Christ has died. He has overcome sin. He's overcome the grave. He's overcome death. He's overcome Satan. He, he, there would be a sense of celebration of victory. And you would, you would be able to feel it physically. Not only just hear it mentally. There would be a physical participation in it. That's how the early church did things. Now, in, in, in 2019, in evangelical churches, no, 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 no. Today, people are going to be having barbecues. And then for some, many churches, they'll have a, a sunrise service with a breakfast. And, you know, all, it's all about fun and food in the American church. It's, it's so radically different. It's just amazing how crazy Christianity evolves through history. It's just to a time, this is this. If you want to see the evolution of Christianity, 
if you think about it, if, if you've ever seen that chart of human evolution, right? You'll, you'll, it starts, you know, with something, you know, like on the ground, you know, and then it sprouts legs and it's hunched over and it's hunched over and it's hunched. And you see these, uh, you know, subsequent pictures. And then finally, it's a human being stand, standing up and they say, there's human evolution, right? It started there and look how it evolved. Well, if you want to look at the, the evolution of Christianity, really what it starts off is like an image of God, right? God is, is the focal point. God is the center. God is the purpose. God is what we're committed to. And it's, it's a de-evolution where it goes from God, right, to us being the center of everything. There was a point where, hey, this, this, this weekend, this holy Saturday, this is not a time for me and my family and fun and food and celebration and new clothes. No, this is a time for me to remember the horrible sacrifice that Jesus Christ, God's eternal son, gave for me. It's a time for me to focus on him, not a time to, to celebrate me. But we are so narcissistic and self-consumed that that's what we've turned it into. We've turned the entire celebration of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection into a time of Easter egg hunts, new clothes, barbecues, fun, lake, going to the lake, going to the park. It's all about us. We kicked God out of the celebration and we replaced it with us. The early church, 40 hours of fasting. What, what can you say? We should stand ashamed of how we act and how they acted. And remember, they were doing these during times of persecution when being a Christian wasn't easy. We now have the ability to be able to, to accomplish so much more and we accomplish so little. So it was a 40-hour period, a fast, where they're remembering the entire process. They're, they're participating in the process in a physical way. By Constantine's time, by Constantine's realm, I should say that that's the way it's written, by Constantine's realm in the 4th century, the night of the vigil of Easter began Saturday at dusk, when the lighting of the new fire, including a large number of lamps and candles and the paschal candle, the paschal candle is a very large, made of uh, beeswax and fixed in, a, uh, fixed in a great candlestick created for that purpose, is still a significant part of Holy Saturday services, again, in liturgical services, uh, not usually in the Protestant world. The history of fasting on Holy Saturday has varied over the centuries. As the Catholic Encyclopedia notes, here's the Catholic Encyclopedia, and I quote, In the early church, this was, this was the only Saturday on which fasting was permitted. Fasting is a sign of penance, but on Good Friday, Christ paid with his own blood the debt of his followers' sins, and people therefore had nothing to repent. Thus, for many centuries, Christians regarded both Saturday and Sunday as days on which fasting, fasting was forbidden. That practice is still reflected in the Lenten disciplines of the Eastern Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches, which lighten their fast slightly on Saturdays and Sundays. So there has been some evolution of this concept. Um, 
but fasting is still a, a, a major part of it uh, in some ways, and here's the reason why, from a, a kind of a theological argument, is yes, Christ had died, but he had not yet risen, and so at that time, they didn't quite understand it, so it's a, a sense of trying to relive that sense of confusion and doubt by fasting. All right, um, the Easter Vigil Mass. Now, obviously, this is from a Catholic tradition. In the early church, Christians gathered on the afternoon of Holy Saturday to pray and to uh, confer the sacrament of baptism. Now, they call it a sacrament. We, we obviously, I do not. We call it an ordinance, but we can get into a whole discussion about that. Um, of the catechumens, okay, um, New believers, people who've, who've been catechized. Okay, we, we, I, I don't want to, I can't teach everything about church history. All right, um, these are converts to Christianity who had spent Lent preparing to be, uh, to be received into the church. As the Catholic Encyclopedia notes, the early church, Holy Saturday, and the vigil of Pentecost were the only days in which baptism was administered. The vigil lasted throughout the night until dawn on Easter Sunday when the Alleluia was sung for the first time since the beginning of Lent. The faithful, including the newly baptized, broke their 40-hour fast by receiving communion. Now, please note, I want you to hear that again. This is the early church. Holy Saturday, okay, and, and the vigil Pentecost were the only days in which baptism was administered. And, and, and make sure you understand the reason they only did baptism at certain times is you could not be baptized until you had been catechized. Baptism was just not like something, oh, you claim to be a Christian, here you go. They, they wanted to uh, catechize you before you could be baptized. Now, we could talk about, is that a New Testament practice? Is that a church practice? Why did they do so? How come this is the way it worked? Um, what did the Didache have to say? If you don't know anything about the Didache, first century, very important document in the history of Christianity. I did an entire teaching series on the Didache. We may have to do that again now that we have um, and place that in the VBC 66 app in the church history section. Uh, we could talk a lot about their, their understanding of it. But just please note, that's the reason they only did it twice a year is because you had to be catechized before you could be baptized. Now, I want you to note this. This Easter Vigil Mass, it lasted through the night. It was an all-night service. An all-night church service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to recommend that to all Protestant churches. Hey, tonight 7 p.m., 8 p.m., begin your Easter vigil, your resurrection vigil service, vigil service. It's in the midst of a 40-hour fast and you're going to have ser services all night till in the morning and then you will announce hallelujah, Christ is risen and then people break the fast by partaking of the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the Eucharist. It would be a time of great celebration. Yeah, no. Christians couldn't do that. Be like, I can't stay awake. I'm too tired. I have a life to live. Yeah, because God is not your life. Even trying, for many Protestant churches, to just do a service throughout Holy Week, right? Okay, we're going to do Palm Sunday. We're going to have all of our Sunday services. And then we're going to do a Monday service, a Tuesday service, a Wednesday service, a Thursday service, a Friday service, a Saturday service that will last till Sunday. And then, uh, and then have a Sunday night service. You, 
He'd be laughed out of the building or the pastor would probably be fired. Or you, peop, they would just all walk away and you would, have, you, know, an att- you would have a church of 500 and an attendance for many of those services, uh, services of four people, the pastor and his family. All right, that, that's the sad reality of it. How could the early church, they all show up and stay all night? Like they didn't have a life, they didn't. We always have an excuse. We always have an excuse of why they could and we can't. Now I agree, there's people now who have jobs where they work overnight. I understand that there's, there's, there's situations, but you're telling me that, that people, <laughs> the, the bottom, bottom line is, the pe- put it this way, you're not even gonna have people who would be willing to put in for time off to do some of those things, all right? Because they've gotta save that time off to go you know, to Disneyland or to go camping or do something of great you know, significance like that. I'm just telling you, it's a completely different mindset from the, er- the early, and people sometimes go, how did the early church influence the world during a time of being persecuted and being slaughtered? Because the people who called themselves Christians actually cared about Christ. And in the modern church, you know, I don't really know what they care about. Sometimes I don't even, I mean, I, I put it this way. So many times Christians wish that I wish the church, we could go back to the early church. No, you don't. Because you would walk out going, this is crazy. This is, I'm not going to, well, first, they'd probably kick us out, including me, because they would be like, you're not even a Christian. Okay, and secondly, if we were there, we probably would believe this is way too, uh, too, too demanding. I don't want, I'm going to go find, well, we would just go start our own church because that's what we would do. All right, it's just, it's just crazy the way things uh, took place. All right, um, in the Middle Ages, beginning uh, roughly in the 8th century, the ceremonies of the Easter vigil, especially the blessing of new fire and the lighting of the Easter candle, began to be performed earlier and earlier. Eventually, these ceremonies, ceremonies were performed on Holy Saturday morning. The whole of Saturday, originally a day of mourning for the crucified Christ and expectation of his vigil, now became a little more than an anticipation of the Easter vigil. All right, basically what happened over time and over time and over time, well, sadly, the tradition began to go away. It just became a time of anticipation and many of the things that they did, the time of fasting, many of those things just basically became lost in the pages of history. Why? Why? Because as with everything, we as people like, like, we'll always choose the path of least resistance. We're going to choose the path where we don't have to fast for 40 hours. We're going to choose a path where we don't have to be at church all night. We're going to we're going to be in a place where we don't have to show up to church multiple times during a week. We're going to always choose that path. We're going to choose a path that pleases the flesh. Listen, um, instead of feeding the spirit. I think a good example, since it does relate in a sense to Holy Week, is when Jesus is in the garden. Hey, hey guys, pray, pray for me, pray with me. And they fall asleep. And Jesus speaks about the flesh being willing, but the, or the, the spirit being willing, but the flesh being weak. We, we have weak flesh. We want, we want our flesh to be satisfied. We, we will take the path of least resistance. We don't want discipline. We don't want difficulty. We don't want high levels of commitment. Now, what drives me crazy is sometimes that kind of discipline and that sometimes that high level of commitment is seen by people pursuing, 
you know, trophies and rewards, awards and, and accolades in the world of sports. They will pursue, it, well, they will sacrifice everything to become the best basketball player, football player, boxer, etc., 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 basketball player, golfer, you name it. But when it comes to our pursuing the things of God, we, we, want, we don't really want any major, major commitment to it. Now, and I want to make this very clear. I'm in the same boat as the rest of you, all right? Because I, too, like the path of least resistance in my own life, all right? I'm no different than you. I'm just like you. We're all in this together. The only difference is, is I try to be a student of history so that I can constantly be confronted with how the early Christians did things. And then I look at myself in the mirror and go, oh me, why are we not more like that? And the reason we're not more like that, in many cases, we have rejected everything from the past to embrace everything of the present. And what we've embraced is an influence from culture. And culture right now is saying, hey guys, it's Easter weekend. It's it's time to celebrate. It's time to go to the park, catch a baseball game, go do this, catch a movie. Like it's all going to be about fun, food and activity. Hey, there's a sale at the mall for clothes because you got to get those new Easter clothes. It's We are so influenced by the culture in which we live. Yet while well, we sit there and claim, but yet we'll show up to church tomorrow like, there'll be millions of churches tomorrow opening their doors. There's going to be Easter egg hunts. There's going to be a carnival atmosphere. I don't even know if we're going to be celebrating. Many of those churches are even actually celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Oh, they're going to say they are. But they're really going to be celebrating themselves. Because here's what we do. We, we are influenced by the world. But this is what we do. We try to Christianize that influence. We try to Christianize it. Right? We'll try to make some crazy loopy idea. Well, you know, an Easter egg represents life. And yeah, I don't, I don't think that um, anything in the New Testament would tell us that we should be doing Easter egg hunts at a church. In fact, I can almost 1000% argue that it doesn't say that because it doesn't. And clearly, I don't, I don't, none of that has anything to do with Christianity. It does, has nothing to do with the resurrection of Christ. And new clothes, you say, well, these new clothes, they represent new life. Oh, stop the nonsense. They represent a new, a new outfit in your wardrobe. They, they represent you being able to go spend money on yourself. That's what it represents. It represents feeding your flesh. The early church fasted for 40 hours and we, we satisfy ourselves. That's the drastic difference between early church and modern church. The modern church doesn't want to be the early church. We, we, would, we would view the early church as radical lunatics. And they would probably look at us as, what have you done to Christianity? What have you done with the thing that we died to protect? What did you do with the thing that we died to, to, to give you? What did you do with it? We, we, we literally are to be stewards of the gift handed down to us by the Christians who sacrificed their lives dying to hand down the Christianity that we know. And we have taken it and said, we have basically slapped them in the face and say, you were fools, you were, you were lunatics. 
Let us show you what Christianity should have been. Instead of fasting, you should have been having fun. Instead of dying a martyr's death, you should have been getting along with the world. You should have been having seeker-sensitive services to make all the Romans love you, okay? You should have been, you should have been trying to make it more Jewish to make the Jews love you. Who, for, for, for the churches that were facing Jewish persecution, all right? You get the idea, all right? The point is, is that... that Church history is an evolution of God being the center to man becoming the center. That's really the story. And Holy Saturday is just another good example of it. All right, I'll stop there because I have talked, I don't know, 47 minutes. 47 minutes. I apologize. I do. I get, I get passionate about this kind of stuff. I really do. It bothers me greatly. Um, it just bothers me greatly of the ignorance Christians have. And, and trust me, this was when I say introduction to Holy Saturday, this is like an elementary introduction, just with a lot of commentary thrown in. All right, because I like to make my uh, my history applicable. I want to I want to make it challenge. I don't want it just to be a a. I don't want it to just be bland facts that in this century they did this, and this century they did that. I want it to to also serve as a challenge to us in this century in this time history is taught to us for a purpose for now it's not simply to teach us what some someone did in the past it's not it's not as some people say who who degrade the teaching of history i don't care what a bunch of old dead people did well no 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 what the old dead people did okay um is they did things i'm obviously overemphasizing that they did things in the past that should be making an impact on us in the present. And when we reject the past, listen, listen, as Christians, I want to make this very clear. When we reject the influence of the historical Christian faith, we replace it with the influence of the modern day culture. Let me say that again. When we reject the influence of the historical Christian faith, we replace it with the influence of the modern day culture. If you can't see that in your church, you're blind. If you can't see that in modern day Christianity, you're blind or you're unwilling to see the truth right in front of you. It's when you walk into your church tomorrow, you're going to see the influence of modern-day culture. Most of you will not even see anything that remotely looks like, sounds like, feels like, smells like historical Christianity. And that is the sad lesson of church history. That is the sad lesson of Holy Saturday. From a 40-hour fast, from a, an overnight service where new, new converts who have been catechized are baptized. And we all spend that night in prayer, meditation, scripture reading, hymns, remembering that Christ had died. And then we hear the words that, Christ, hallelujah, Christ has risen. And we break our fast together by partaking of the Lord's table. We went from all of that to the circus that will occur tomorrow in American churches 
everywhere. An absolute circus. I could literally come here with clippings from newspaper articles and websites of what churches have planned for tomorrow. It will not sound like anything resembling Holy Saturday or um, anything the church did on Resurrection Sunday. And that is the lesson we should take from this. All right, thank you for listening. Have a great Holy Saturday. Now, we're not bound by what they did, but let's do this. Let's take some time this Holy Saturday. Even if you don't do so during the day, maybe this evening. Maybe you could just get all of your activities out of your system today. Maybe around 7 p.m. tonight, 8 p.m. tonight, you can kind of shut everything down and say, you know what, I'm going to spend some time this evening really focusing in on the things of God. Really focusing in. I will ensure you that I will post as much content today on the VBC66 app that will give you plenty of things to choose from. If you're using the VBC66 app, if you'll go down to the bottom, you look for Family Radio or uh, Redeemer Broadcasting. I know both of those are going to probably have a, some very strong Holy or Resurrection Sunday, Holy Saturday, this type of year brought, uh, programming that will uh, help you keep your mind on the things of God. And just truly spend some time looking at your life, uh, remembering who God is and preparing yourself for tomorrow. Now, it does, and, and again, your church doesn't have to have a big quote-unquote Easter service if it's not following the historical calendar. We did not follow the historical calendar this year at VBC, so tomorrow we're not going to have some, you know, big, you know, quote-unquote resurrection day service. But what we will do is we will, re we will honor the resurrected Savior by treating the church as a church, as his that we are the bride of Christ. So we will show up to, stud, to proclaim his word, to study his word and sing praises to him. That we will act like a church tomorrow, not like we are some activity, you know, entertainment center. That's, I guarantee we will do. But I guarantee I will do everything I can to make sure that the VBC 66 app gives you plenty of content that this evening, maybe you can just take some time this evening, stay up an extra hour if you need to. I mean, the early church stayed up all night. You can stay up an extra hour in meditation and reading of the scriptures. Read all the text about the crucifixion of Christ. Read all the text about the resurrection of Christ. You know, just, just spend some time um, this holy Saturday remembering that your Savior the eternal Son of God took upon human flesh, came to this earth, and gave his life willingly as a sacrifice for sin, for your sin. He died for you. It was your sin that killed him. It was your sin that crucified him. It was your guilt that was placed upon him. He willingly gave his life for you to set you free from the bondage of sin. What are you doing with the great gift that he gave you? Can we not? At the very least, take some time today to remember the sacrifice of the Son of God and then anticipate 
the joyful resurrection that tomorrow will be about, and every Sunday is really a, a day to remember his resurrection because we would not have a, a, the Lord's day without the resurrection. Every Sunday is, I, I constantly tell my people, your empty house on Sunday is a proof that you believe the tomb was empty 2,000 years ago. The reason you go to church on Sunday is because you believe the tomb was empty on 2,000 years ago, if you are skipping church and if you don't go to church, you don't believe, you're showing you don't believe the tomb was empty. We go to church because the tomb was empty. We go to church every Sunday because every Sunday is a reminder of the resurrection of Christ. And, and guess what? We should, we should be grateful for how he died for us, but we should take great advantage of what he gave through us through that resurrection. He gave us, uh, he promised us, ultimately, he showed us that he had defeated, defeated sin. He had defeated Satan. He defeated death. He defeated the, defeated the grave. That gives you hope. That gives you purpose. It gives you a new perspective on life that no one who is a Christian has. We need to live like we truly have that hope. Thank you for listening. God bless.